I just saw somebody online talking about the M. Night Shyamalan film, The Village. Did you see The Village? Oh, no. That's one of my, you know, I actually think of the Shyamalan, you know, filmography, it's one of the better ones. Yeah. Oh, wait, I did see The Village. That's right. That was the one with like the, the, the yellow hoods and the... The yeah. fucking yeah, um, and it's like uh, they're they're in colonial times, but then at the end it yeah. turns into a spoiler spoiler alert, I guess. But... <laughs> spoiler for the village. No, the movie's been on, out man. for like twenty years. I, I'm not too <laughs> yeah. worried about it. But the the twist is like she gets sent to go get medicine or something from the neighboring village, and it turns out that they're actually in some weird like libertarian commune that's pretending like it's the 1615s or or whatever. Uh, they're actually just like. They're they're in like a Disneyland style like nature enclave, uh, and actually like everything's I mean, been modern the whole is, time. That is essentially what rich people want, right? They they want to have their own fun little theme parks. Oh yeah, on their own private estates. Yeah, so totally. I mean, it's it's more or less. Uh, it's also Westworld. I just realized that's exactly what fucking Westworld <laughs> is about, <laughs> dude. <laughs> But no, I was I was Same thinking cinematic about it universe. because um, I remember in elementary school, so this would have been like you know early to mid nineties. There was a like a young adult book that was basically exactly that, where it's like girl in colonial times like gets sent off, like the village is dying from a plague, and so they send her out to go and find medicine. And when she gets to like the fence, it's like a chain link fence with like a highway. On the other side. Oh, you're and talking about to... Gathering Blue by Lois Lowry? Maybe. Was that a that, Lois Lowry book? That's a like a pseudo-sequel to The Giver, which The Giver was also kind of huh. like that, too, where it was like yeah. this perfect idyllic community, but then at the end, it's What's like, called? oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I, really? That was a Lois Lowry? I don't know. I don't know. That's the, Might have been the a title. One. The title doesn't sound, doesn't sound familiar. All right. Let's Did you guys see Midsummer? Uh, no, not yet. Brendan, did you see Midsummer? Uh, the 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 horror the horror renaissance. Uh, I, I have not actually right. seen it, but uh, I hear it's quite good. Uh-huh. It's contentious, you know. I've I've gotten roasted for enjoying it, but it's uh it's pretty it's pretty dumb. You got to see the three um, and a half hour director's cut. That's what I heard. That's oh, <laughs> oh, really? Oh, I I think I'll I think I'll. Skip I've that seen one. I've seen a lot there of people so saying that it's uh. Basically a female empowerment movie because at the end she gets rid of her shitty boyfriend. That's yeah. right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really makes you think. I'm into it. <laughs> I mean, shitty, shitty boyfriend should be gotten rid of. I'm okay with that, that in principle. Burn your shitty boyfriend. <laughs> Welcome back to the Liquid Flannel Podcast from Arlington, Texas. I am Matthew Hodges, joined as ever by my stalwart comrade and co-host in Omaha, Nebraska, Brendan Williams. Brendan, welcome back, buddy. Man, thank you for welcoming me back. I just got out of a spooktober coma. Yeah. And shit's crazy out here, man. It is it is wild. I literally didn't follow the news for an entire month. Just, uh, you know, just thinking about spooky stuff, just watching horror movies you know, turned the house into a haunted house. Um, my three-year-old niece hated it. It was hilarious. The twist was that the real monster was man. <laughs> That's always the twist. 
<laughs> and joining us tonight, a uh, newcomer to our program and actually doing us a real solid by filling in for a guest who had to uh, drop out due to unforeseen circumstances. Uh, from New York City, we've got Lloyd Howell on the line. Hey, Lloyd. Hey, fellas. How's it going? I appreciate your uh, your having me on, even though it is Scorpio season. Uh, yeah. Well, um, we've we've been trying not to get too much into the uh, just the ongoing astrology discourse online. Um, but oh, yes, but we of are course. we are we can be scientists. I think sometimes. So no, it was, it was big of you to <laughs> big of you to come on. Yeah, it's another type of like Except diversity that we need to start doing is, is uh, <laughs> right. astrological diversity. I, I have completely overlooked that. Just going into it, going going into it now, like as a Scorpio, who you know, some would say is like the worst sign. Listen, I I, I know I know like a, a good bit about astrology. I I am I am initiated <laughs> as it were, and uh, and as I understand it, and you know, you know, cancel me if you must, but as as my understanding is that Scorpios and Geminis are the ones that are considered to be the worst <laughs> ones. Dang, so, we got two of them um, on this podcast. Yeah. What are you, Matt? Oh no, oh, Gemini. I'm a Pisces. Oof. Everybody, everybody loves Pisces. Oh, is that why you were a fish person? A Pisces. Yeah, yeah, sense yeah, now. yeah. Actually, oh shit, yeah. No, it didn't even occur. <laughs> That's why I like the shadow over Innsmouth so much. It, it reminds me of my my astrological chart. No, you're right. No, see, this is great though, guys. Like you know, just just uh, three. Guys being guys talking about right. astrology. <laughs> I think I think that's nice. And uh, yeah, um, I, I understand that somebody online was talking about how it leads to fascism, or or is or astrology is it fascist fascism? or something? Oh, yeah, it was yeah. terrible. That's I mean that's that was that was me saying right you know put put all uh, Libras in camps, but uh, I was I was being fastidious. I right. was a. I was not serious about that. Well, and also, um, you know, uh, not just fascists have camps that they put people in, you know, so. So I think that would be a that'd be a category error, really. Just, uh, coming out swinging. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> anyway, yes. Yeah, so we are back after a terrific spooktober with lots of fun, spooky things going on. But, you know, we're back on. We're back on our old bullshit now. It's uh, it's time for us to, you know, dig into what you usually tune into the show for, which is, you know, politics, pop culture, commentary, cool guests. No, we had cool guests during Spooktober, I guess, but um, yeah, and uh, we're recording this on a Wednesday, um, which is unusual for us. This is uh, the 6th of November, and we are uh, hot on the heels of a pretty big, in some places, election that just happened, which uh, you, yeah. had some, you had some kind of cool stuff going on. The... Uh, uh, mm -hmm. The Democrat took the governorship in Kentucky, so congratulations, Kentucky. That's that's nice for you. That is wild. I did not see that one coming. Um, that was just one of those elections where I was like, Democrat winning in Kentucky, like Mitch McConnell's home state. Like that's just not right. that's just not going to happen. Yeah. I, why why even bother wasting any the... time thinking about that? And not just not just like state legislature, but like governor. You know, it was like the the big cheese of the yeah. state. Was that the was that the Matt Bivens race or whatever that guy's oh, name is? Oh, I don't know. I didn't look at the name. <laughs> yeah, that's the Bevin, Bevin Bashar. I just saw the scorecard, man. <laughs> yeah, which is funny too because like you would think the only way that a Democrat would win in a statewide election in Kentucky is if the Republican governor was like some sort of like Roy Moore like 
completely outrageous toxic figure right but i don't know that bevin guy just seems like a normal ass trumpy republican yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i mean i I guess in that sense I, i don't know what other pundits are saying about it but it is a bit of a referendum on how people are feeling about the republican party right now right it's gotta be seems to be i saw i saw a clip of like don jr on fox news trying to explain away like why Bivens lost the election. And it was like, oh, you know, it, it, this doesn't reflect on my dad. Of course. <laughs> right. Like, of course. He, not. You know, Matt, Matt got in a lot of fights with a lot of people. There's no accounting for stuff like that. And, oh, such a, such a sad little worm. That guy, it's really tragic to just see oh, him man, do Did anything. you see that weird story about when Donald and Ivana Trump were, in their divorce negotiations and he called her and threatened to uh, take Don Jr. away from him, from, from Ivana. Oh, yeah. So, so he calls, (laughs) he calls Ivana and he's like, look, if you like won't play ball in this divorce, I'm going to take Don Jr. You'll never see him again. And Ivana goes, well, I've got two other kids. Um, You can have him. (laughs) And then Trump backs down from his bluff Devastating. Yeah. I mean, it explains so much about it. He was like, I didn't really want him either. I was just, I was, exactly. I was just joking, guys. <laughs> oh, my God. oh, oh it, I mean, it is just. Oh, the rich are such it fucking freaks. Tragic. He's ugh. a tragic tale. Well, I hear uh, his and, book and, is going to sell real great, though. Uh, yeah, was it triggered? It's like one of like eighteen books coming out right now that's titled "Triggered." Yeah, I think it's going to be the like left the new, is losing the heart of America or whatever. You know, the new book that like it's every like classroom money. in America like, has to purchase or whatever. It's like a federal <laughs> right, <yeah>. regulation <laughs> best-selling yeah. book of all time. It's like, listen, that, that's that that's the modern world. Like everyone has a podcast, everyone has a book that's entitled "Triggered." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah like, it's totally. what you do. To survive. Yeah, in today. fact, uh, I, I think that we need to change the header image for um, the liquid flannel Twitter to just a picture of me and Brendan with duct tape over our mouths. <laughs> the podcast that America doesn't want you to hear. Right. <laughs> the, the podcast that nobody listens to. We're being silenced, everybody. <laughs> Shadow band? <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll put like. Uh, uh, what's what's the emoji that all of the it's like the big red X that every all of the conservatives use on Twitter? It's like I'm being shadow banned by Jack. It's like uh, you were the last person to uh, get shadow banned by Jack. I promise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, so yeah, the, the K- Kentucky, Kentucky news... and then also Virginia winning the coin toss this time, right? Going the other, way, going the other yeah. way. Pour one out for our our friend Cossum, who did not win his Senate race. Um, that was that was a bummer. I was I was really hoping he he would mm-hmm. have the momentum to to carry him through. But but overall, yeah, the Dems took what all all three branches of the government, right? Right. Well, I mean, it is it was crazy because yeah. last year, yeah. as you may recall, that it was a literal toss up, and the control of the legislature came down to one seat. Oh God, that's and right. They had and a they did coin a, literal, toss. a literal coin toss and. The Republican won the coin toss, and so they got to control the state legislature in Virginia for, you know, an entire two years or whatever. Uh, Wait, are you fucking kidding me? It was, it was a, a literal, literal coin, toss? coin toss? That is yep. the state law. Are you fucking kidding on me? The, on the floor of the, oh the my Virginia God. Assembly, yeah. they did a coin toss, and the Republicans took control for the next two years. Yeah. And so the Democrats stupid. just said, like, well, coin toss, what are you going to do? Which is, I'm <laughs> sure if it went the other uh, way... 
they would have done the exact Oh, God, same can you imagine? Thing. Jesus. Yeah. But again, oh, well, you can go again. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Try again. Best of three. Yeah, three out of five. Oh, we want to get best yeah. of five. They're, yeah. they're going to end up playing like wow. Battleship and Twister, like in uh, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, there would have been See, so that many I would actually of... be okay with as a govern, uh, governmental system is if, you know, if it comes down to a coin toss, like you actually have to, you have to win in some games of skill and merit. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to have it be as something as mm-hmm. arbitrary as a coin toss, like you might as well have them be like uh, best uh, three stock uh, Smash Brothers or something right. like that. Like, why not? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Point? Settlers of Catan, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, like a yeah, city get your, management get, game. Get your kids to bring you their uh, their switches and you're going to play like three rounds of Pokemon like battles against each other. <laughs> oh, my oh. God. They just just have like a, like a Pokemon tournament, Yu-Gi-Oh!, Pashups. Yeah, yeah. I'm calling on the heart of the cards to win me this state legislature. Yeah, and this is the future that gamers want. These these boomers had never heard of or knew anything about, so they're just learning it on the fly. I mean, if you're going to keep it completely arbitrary, like a coin toss, you may it may as well be something that that nobody's ever played before, which would just be hilarious. Imagine (laughs) the the like the Pokemon fandom erupting. It's like, oh my god, I can't believe you picked. You know, this, I, I don't know shit about Pokemon, but. A shiny ponyta <laughs> right. or something. They just have their, know. have their, you know, Pokemon team drafts. Man, that would be, God, that would be incredible. <laughs> I'm, I'm so mad that this isn't the reality that we live in. Hopefully, hopefully we can change these laws now that the Democrats are in control. <laughs> First order uh, of business. <laughs> So I, I did vote yeah. yesterday, but it was it was really boring. Um, we had a bunch of uh, basically just in my in my district, we only had uh, the the Texas um, state constitution amendments, most of which had to do with various funding measures that they wanted to build in. And um, one of them kind of caught my eye that was like, would prohibit the ad valorem taxing on precious metals that are held in a precious metal repository. And I was like, so that's just that's literally Scrooge McDuck, like Scrooge McDuck tried to like pass a law into into the Texas Constitution that said his giant vault full of literal gold coins can't ever be taxed. Um, So I went ahead and voted against that one. But other than that, my ballot was pretty boring this time. What about you, Brendan? Did you guys vote? I don't even think there was. I mean, maybe there was some sort of like local election in Nebraska for like cities or something, but I don't think there was anything at all statewide. Well, here here in New York City, we had a a pretty, I don't know, like Jumani Williams, one public advocate, and then there were like five ballot initiatives, uh, which were like pretty good ballot initiatives, and they all they all passed. Um, nice, which was pretty sick. Yeah, uh, it was like uh, uh, rank choice voting went through. Oh, sweet, that's great. Um, civilian oversight of the NYPD went through. So that, <laughs> I mean, you know, we'll see how that goes. Like, fucking hopefully, and um, and then the the last one was like the most controversial one, which was like aimed at uh, real estate developers. And so now there's there's something where like new development has to go through. An extra, an extra um, review process by the city, um, which will at least like slow down developers. I don't know. Yeah, like, it's you guys it's, just did uh, it to be mean to Trump. I can't believe you would do that. That's so mean. 
Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, coastal elites. Just, just did it to, stick yeah. it to the orange man. Man, you hate to see you hate to see coastal elites eating their own. You know. That's right. That's right. The rank choice thing is really cool. Is it just for like city elections, or does that also impact like federal and, and state elections as well? I know that there was some similar oh, thing in hmm. Maine. I think I think it might only be city elections. I'm not sure. I hope it's I hope it's statewide. I actually don't know the answer to that. Um, yeah, I'm sure they'll fight huh. it for years anyway. Don't don't. don't oh worry. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not changing I mean, it. Oh. Does. <laughs> but oh. yeah, no, I think that's really awesome. I think it's a really cool trend Still to see you, uh, you know more and more places kind of uh, you know experimenting with ranked choice voting because right. it does seem to be a much 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 better system of voting if it was widely adopted. Oh yeah, it's I mean it's, it's a much more robust way of of selecting like who is actually the consensus candidate instead of this um like two parties fighting over, you know, a vanishingly small like sliver of the electorate that somehow can't make up their minds um which doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and it's a great response to the like, you know, the the hyper partisanship thing because it really does encourage, you know, like non party aligned voter you know oh, uh, candidates to just say like yeah. hey hate both of the hate everybody how about this um and give those people an actual chance bernie sanders probably would have taken like 46 states if we'd had ranked choice for the presidential election he should have run you he know should have just yeah <laughs> yeah i know what the hell was he thinking uh, yeah ranked choice i wonder how that'll go because one thing i noticed on my ballot from the other day was like they one of the one of the things we were voting for was um, like like city city like appellate courts or something, and and so you'd have you'd have um, like lines for Democratic Republican like working families and conservative, and they were all the same person like every <laughs> right. every party was the same person there was only one person running for the position yeah and so they were somehow you know every party just just way into man them. that's a great um, way to do it I didn't know I didn't realize yeah, that you could yeah. do that that's smart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would simply run unopposed. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's what's so bonkers to me, right? Though um, that you've got you've got this Democratic Party who you know they're, supposedly they're the they're the opposition, they're the the hashtag resistance. Um, but every time you have you know like state and local elections, especially across you know our uh, kind of our our wheelhouse, kind of Great Plains Midwest area. Um, you see all of these offices that are like, you know, district judge, uh, county commissioner, school board, sometimes even up to um, like state representative, people running completely unopposed. And then you start to wonder, you know, is is there actually a commitment to winning or do you just, well, we know the answer. They just like being in the minority because then they get mm-hmm. to make a bunch of noise. I mean, you know, the... the Whatever the the controlled op- opposition or you know jobbers as our uh, wrestling fan uh, friends would say. Oh God! Like I wonder, I wonder if like the Virginia Democrats are actually going to do anything. I I sure hope they do. That'll be something to watch. Well, I think one thing they're going to do is they're going to actually not cancel Medicare expansion right. in the state of Kentucky, which is I think a big reason as to why governor lost is because he was like we don't want that obamacare and then all the people in kentucky were like actually we actually um we actually do want the obamacare because (laughs) it's it's actually really been helpful to like getting people insurance 
like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. And uh, it was uh, not very popular to just rip that away just because you don't like Obama, especially because Obama's not really around anymore, if, right. if you notice. <laughs> uh, the people of Kentucky want to be exposed to the carnival of horrors that is the American healthcare they system unshackled. Yeah. Appalachians, uh, you know, notoriously love not being able to go to the doctor. They they, mm-hmm. they love it there. Yeah, it's it's pretty funny. I mean, when they rolled out Obamacare in Kentucky, they, in order to distinguish it from Obamacare, even though it was Obamacare, they created a state agency called Connect with a KY, uh, which was <laughs> the like branding of their like state. Obamacare funded Medicare expansion or whatever. And when you would poll people in Kentucky that was like, what do you think about Obamacare? They'd be like, I hate it. Like it was like 80%, like that's the worst thing ever. And they're like, what do you think about connect? And it was like, oh, 60% of people were like, oh, that's actually, I like that a lot. And it's like, (laughs) it's literally the the same thing, but I guess, however, however it works, just gotta sneak it in there. Right. (laughs) All all about that branding. And uh, as we as we kind of close out the segment, um, one last little uh, sort of like unseen consequence of these recent elections um, with Virginia turning the way it did, um, he has been reading about uh, the Equal Rights Amendment being back in play. Really? Yeah. So when they when they tried to push the Equal Rights Amendment um, initially, they were oh, in like nineteen oh six. It was it was uh, it was. Hold on, I think I've got it here. Yeah, 1923 oh, okay. was okay. when they was when they first uh, introduced it. Um, they fell three. We all remember states, that. Great times. Three, yeah, three states <laughs> short of of passing the thing, and then they they brought it back in the the 70s, and they basically again they were they were a little bit short, but in the past couple of years, what is it, Nevada and someplace else ratified the thing, so it's only one state short of being ratified. And Virginia was one of those battleground states. So now it's like, will the Democrats make that any kind of a priority in Virginia to push push the thing through? They're the last one they need. And then Ooh. I don't remember what happens. I think women get the right to vote is what ha- is what happens. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> About oh, time. shit. Then I'm opposed to it. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like socialism gonna, to me. a terrible idea. They're going to vote to uh, burn their shitty boyfriends. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean it. Basically, it it, it federalizes like anti discrimination laws uh, based on based on gender. Um, right. So, uh, which I think up till now it's just been relying on like state state laws uh, for that. But uh, it would kind of unify that whole situation. So uh, obviously, uh, Republicans are completely opposed. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. Wild. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, so that just goes to show, you know, if you stick with the Democrats, just give it a good 96 years and uh, <laughs> for sure you're going to get some, some stuff accomplished, you know. Trust Slow the and steady wins the race. That's the, the slogan. <laughs> and that is your takeaway from part one, listeners. We'll be back in a few minutes because I want to talk about some of the stuff we saw online today. <laughs> You'll be long dead, but it'll be, it'll be all right.
Okay, so I looked it up. The book I was thinking of was not the the Lois Lowry one, but in fact, a book called Running Out of Time by Margaret Peterson Haddix. The, the plot of Shyamalan's movie had several similarities to the book. They both involve a village, which is actually a park in the present day, have young heroines on search for medical supplies, and both have adult leaders bent on keeping the children in their village from discovering the truth. Here's where this gets uh, a little bit darker too. In the movie, the adults had just decided to withdraw from the outside world and live like, you know, like colonial settlers. In the book, they are a tourist attraction. It's like a human zoo where you can go and see, you know, like people living in pioneer days. But wait, they're um, not aware that they live in a zoo? That I do not remember. The kids definitely do not know that they're part of a tourist attraction. It's like a Truman Show situation? So yeah, a little Truman Show. <laughs> it's like, you're just like, in, you're just like living and in a zoo and people just come and it's like one kid like gets a, a popsicle thrown at him one day and he's like, wait a minute, something's going on here. But uh, I was wrong. I, I thought that there had been a lawsuit about it, but apparently it's just a bunch of people that said like, oh, they like they ripped off this book and then nobody's ever made any kind of a deal out of it. That person was like, you know, M. Night Shyamalan has has suffered enough. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't need me to pile on. Anyway, it was fine. It was it was a fun movie. Uh, Shyamalan's coming back. He has a he has an Apple TV television show that he's oh. doing <laughs> starring uh, Ron Weasley. Apple really? TV. <laughs> Ron uh, Weasley turned into a snack, though. I don't know if you guys have seen him <laughs> since the movies. Uh, 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 our tastes may diverge. He's got, he's got a terrible name, though. I think it's Rupert Grint. It's Rupert Grint, which yeah. Is like the most offensively British I'm sorry, I, name. You seem ever. to have mispronounced Ronald Weasley, <laughs> sir, as his true name. <laughs> yeah, really, those stories were not very good. <laughs> yeah, check out check out the plot of this of this show. This is an M. Night Shyamalan Apple TV show called Servant. It is a creepy show about a nanny working for a family, but the catch, the kid she's looking after isn't a baby, but a human-like doll. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> what a twist! What a twist. Wait, does, does Ron Weasley play the doll? Unclear. Unclear. <laughs> I hope so. Well, I feel yeah, like we too. know the twist now, so I'm going <laughs> to safely skip this one. We yeah. sleep like a baby. A dark tale of the the future of the uh, jobs market looks like in uh, in the inequality of the future. I kind is of... that <laughs> your job is to be a nanny for a billionaire's doll. Oh, kind of kind of tangential. But have either of you guys ever seen a real doll in real life? I mean, I have seen like a documentary about what was that? What was that? Lars and the real doll or whatever. But yeah. no, I have not. Lars and the real girl. I have not had the misfortune of. Uh, in You've real life, in room encountering. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen one in real life yeah, either. Neither have they I. They look creepy I'm, enough, like on the videos. And yeah, stuff. I, I think I would find that situation like strangely menacing. Yeah, no fun. No fun. And it's, get them and out it's, of there. It's gonna get. It's gonna get weirder as they keep building in. Like you know, you've got people talking about building in like artificial intelligence, so they like learn your preferences and. I, I don't mm. know. And that, then they that... rise up to kill you. Yeah, no, I, I'm in fully in favor of this. I mean, development. Well, I saw right? I saw on Twitter yesterday, like there is a there is a Russian company that will build a a cyborg clone of any human. No, it was also uh, <laughs> it was also the Futurama episode that I watched last night while I was eating supper um, where Leela dies and Fry makes like a Build-A-Bear like workshop robot. Oh, yes. <laughs> ah, fuck. I used to 
fall asleep listening to Futurama every night for like a year and a half. And so I can never watch that show again. But boy, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah, the bad idea. Bad idea. I don't think my um, brain would be able to let it go because like it's it's like a new comedy beat every you know five seconds in that show. It's I well I will say I did not sleep particularly well during that <laughs> right right during that period. Yeah, but you can recite every episode from memory. <laughs> right, like, when I try to watch it now, I just immediately fall asleep, and it's That's it's right. unintentional. So <laughs> right. I, I just can't watch it. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Man, you know, we were talking about that the other day. Um, so my niece comes over and stays with us a, a couple of days a week. And um, usually when it's time to put her down for a nap, we put on the movie Moana, which seems to just completely knock her out. It's like the first 10 minutes she's she's out for like pretty much the length of the movie, which is great, you know, because kids need to take a nap because they're very annoying. And so we were wondering, like, when she's... Maybe, like, she has kids of her own in, you know, 30 years or whatever. If they put on the movie Moana, is she just going to pass the fuck out <laughs> just, and not know why? Absolutely. That's the best way. That's the best way to do it. That's fun. That's a, a fun little diversion into some pop culture stuff. But um, I, I wanted to keep talking about, you know, just the, the horrific politics that we've been missing out on for the past month. You know, we, we, were, we, we were off in this uh, really nice fantasy land like a warm blanket where you know it's just dead people and people getting killed and uh you know horrible nightmare creatures it actually incredibly comforting as compared to what we usually talk about on the show which is the state of you know the society that we live in <laughs> um but we're but we're back today there was a lot of discourse about and around the idea of like billionaires and poor people um, so I wanted to I wanted to highlight this little interview that um, Bill Gates of Microsoft gave um, over who he's going to be supporting in the uh, the 2020 election. Um, and he says, quote, I've paid over 10 billion dollars in taxes. I've paid more than anyone else in taxes. If I had to pay 20 billion, it's fine. But when you say I should pay 100 billion, then I'm starting to do a little math over you know, what I, what I starting to do a little math over what I have left over. And how many, how many hundreds is, of billions of dollars I will have more money than you could spend in a hundred lifetimes. Uh, no, it's, it's it, the, the figure is actually 6 billion. Oh, well, that's a measly yeah. sum. Yeah. You can't, how will he survive? How will he be expected to survive? Oh, scrimp and save right. bill. Somebody did the math out today and said like, Oh, $6 billion. I mean, that's, that's barely what a person making the uh, median American income would make in 95,000 right. years. Yeah, and I think there was one where it was like, even if he only has $1 billion left and he lives to be like 100 years old, he still has to spend over $800,000, you know, like a month or something like that to to run out of money and be right. like, oh no, I'm I'm homeless. I'm homeless, Bill Gates. Yeah. But Brandon, how can you how else can he ensure that he can like steer the steer the ship of humankind well after he's departed this world? He's earned that right. Like that's that's why he invented the computer. Cryogenics probably isn't that cheap. So whatever he's like laying in Ugh. to make sure that he never actually dies, mm. you know, is probably costing him a pretty Well penny. his soul will live on in perpetuity in the form of Clippy, the the helpful Microsoft Word <laughs> paperclip. Um, his spirit will never die. 
So that's that's forever right there. Well, I just I think it's amazing because in that same interview, he he declined to answer whether he would be more willing to vote for uh, the reelection of Donald Trump or for like a, a Warren or a Bernie, uh, which says I mean, that says just so much about where his actual interests lie. Uh, and and you see the same thing coming from the the big Democrat donor class or any of the what what was that fucking article just the other day where the billionaire was like I don't understand why everyone's so mad at billionaires these was days. that the crying billionaire we're, we're people just like everybody else that the crying guy he was like I just <laughs> I care so much about my money uh, <laughs> the uh, the Bill Gates thing I mean he he has so much money the ridiculousness of him being like, well, now I'm getting scared that you guys are taking all my money. Like, I need that. I need that money. Like, I'm Bill Gates. There's like a Netflix called Bill Gates Brain. And the premise of the show is like how magical and special Bill Gates is right. and why it, it's justified that he <laughs> is so disgustingly wealthy because he is just the most amazing person. Yeah. And brought in, to you brought to you by viewers like you and a charitable grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. <laughs> Right. And uh, there's a clip in the in the trailer where the interviewers like talking to Bill Gates and he's just like, let's just do some like real, you know, quick questions really just to get a feel for Bill Gates. And he just like asks him like rapid fire, like the most banal questions. (laughs) And every single response that Bill Gates makes is literally the most like a two year old would make that response. You know, he's like, what's your favorite food? Hamburgers. What's your favorite animal? A dog. You know, it's like, <laughs> what? Like, what? This is what you do with your billion dollars? Like, nothing. It, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> right. They're doing that word association thing where it's like, bread. Uh, gotta make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's... <laughs> gotta get it. Epstein. Oh. Uh, mm. <laughs> Oops, no I didn't response. say that. Cut that. Cut that part. Was was he on the uh, was he on the flight logs or was he just like at some at some parties? Yeah, I don't know. Oh yeah, I don't know. I, I, so many people have made <laughs> fake flight logs at this point that it's hard for me to keep track of like who All was of actually faves. on. Them. It's everybody. It's absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely everybody. <laughs> no, he admitted it. He was like, he was like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have hung out with. Uh, with Epstein so much that was a that that was a mistake. Right, is what, he, is what he said. But you know, billionaires. What are you What are you gonna do? Uh, was was that Was that related to like the like the MIT scandal? Was he Was he involved in that at all? Or oh no? God! I mean, it it it, it mm-hmm. would make sense for him to yeah, be there because I yeah. think that they're pretty big donors to uh, the MIT research foundations and stuff. So. Yeah, I, I would not be shocked to find that he has, you know, business deals dealings with Jeffrey Epstein, RIP. Star that know. burns twice as bright, burns half as long. Pour, pour one out for a real one. Yeah, so that uh all that Bill Gates stuff was just it, it was it was amazing to me and and seeing the way that um the various uh you know, basically the wealthy will you know, they'll circle the wagons up against anybody who's coming for, like you said, Brennan, like, you know, I just can't, I just care about my money so much. No, I think Bill Gates has done an amazing job of like helping people forget that he is so disgustingly wealthy because he's, you know, focused so much of his public relations stuff on all of the charitable work that he's doing. And I'm sure that that's good stuff. Like, I'm that's cool that he's doing some of that stuff, but it is also telling that 
you know, he was one of the first people to like take the Warren Buffett challenge or whatever that was like, give away all your money before you die or whatever, because you have too much money. And he was like, oh, right. yeah, I'll totally do that. And now has more money than he did when, <laughs> you know, 10 years ago, oh, he, yeah, totally. he said, I'm going to give away all my money. No way. And it's like, oh, wait, what did we what did we actually do? What are we actually doing here? <laughs> Uh, well, and that's, I mean, that that just highlights how much um, the idea of, like, charitable giving, all of these foundations and things, they're more or less just a, a PR exercise oh, yeah. for people who are afraid of the pitch. It's all a fucking right? shell because, game. Like, because otherwise, if we had appropriated that wealth, we probably could be spending it in fairly efficient ways to benefit a, a much broader class of people. Um, and, Brendan, like, I, I don't disagree that... A lot of the charitable giving that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has been a net positive. The dollars spent are spent instead of not being spent. That's good. Except then sometimes they get into some really questionable territory like, you know, the solution to climate change is uh, people in Africa need to stop um, having babies. Like we just need to do population control in Africa. I mean, I'm sorry. Back up there. Well, I mean, that's what I... That's what I fucking hate about this argument is like, you know, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they do such good work. It's like, yes, because that's the only that's the only framework that there is to do any any of this work right. at all. Like this arbitrary private institution that just kind of operates at their at their own whims and like and we're just supposed to assume that that's the that's the only way to deal with these problems and it right. like like a life spent in gala and like what like one of the things that they were funding was like they're really into the like malaria mm-hmm. thing and so when they were like researching malaria they were like oh malaria is carried by mosquitoes what if we just made mosquitoes extinct right let's put some money into <laughs> yeah, that right. you know and it's like hey man like th- that's cool that you're trying to like help people but like Maybe slow your roll a little right. bit, like before, before you start just just unilaterally deciding to extinct, <laughs> you know, like a vital part of the food yeah. chain and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, you you get to the point where you're so wealthy that you start to believe that you literally are God, and that you're not going to be accountable to anybody for these big sweeping decisions that you made. You know, I, I, another one of our famous uh, and favorite billionaires that was in the news in the past couple of days was, of course, um, Jeff Bezos from Amazon, who was talking again about space and the idea that, like, oh, the Earth is dying. Like, we need to get out into space if we're not going to lose. <laughs> I had nothing to do with that, by the way. Did, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> the fucking thing. Like, you're worth more than, you know, the entire populations of, of combinations of, of various countries. Why don't you just, you know, stop? Just stop <laughs> doing what you're doing. Uh, like, we could we could keep the fucking, you know, that was the joke when he first said, like, we're going to have these, we're going to have rotating habitats in space that can sustain life. And some of them will be national parks and some of them will be big cities. And it's like, you fuckhead. That's what the Earth is. That's literally what we have now. And also, like, we almost certainly are not going to have those kind of, like, Elysium Well, you're stations. not, like, but, be- but Bezos is. <laughs> right? yeah. I, also, I also just don't think it's, it's likely. Like, the, um, what is it, the, the, the space debris that is, that is enshrouding the Earth right now. Like, oh, there, there, are, there are a lot of factors that are beginning to work against us that will only snowball 
in the coming years. Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm a real space skeptic. Like Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk, all these guys that kind of have a, a large vested interest in making us continue to believe that, you know, as long as we, as long as we let them do whatever the fuck they want, like they will, they will build us a, you know, like a, like a halo or something. Right. I mean, there's, there's a reason that, uh, like Zuckerberg wears the fucking Caesar haircut, right? <laughs> Cause that's literally how he thinks about himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He thinks that he's going to be this, you know, like godlike emperor guy who's going to come in and like save the Republic from itself or whatever. At least Bill Gates has the, brains to like disguise his wealth as philanthropy whereas bezos doesn't even try because he might make you think that by giving interviews and talking about like well i need my billions because space 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 and it's going to be great for everybody he's making fucking money on space the reason that he wants to go to space is because it's profitable in various ways one is that he's bilking a ton of money from the government (laughs) to go to space and the second thing is, like, his goal is to, like, go fucking farm, like, mine asteroids and shit like that to sell to make even more, you know, ridiculous right. money. Or also threaten to crash the asteroids into Earth if we don't if we don't give him... <laughs> oh, which know, he the, absolutely the, would do. I mean, uh, fucking Elon Musk in particular is, like, he is, he is just, uh, like, one bad day away from becoming Hank Scorpio from the fucking Simpsons. Yeah, the whole asteroid mining thing is absolutely bonkers because you realize as soon as you start to think about it a little bit is that like, oh, yeah, asteroid mining, like that makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of precious minerals or whatever up there. If you're going to be building space stations, it's much better to get your metal from space, you know, from asteroids than having to like haul it up from Earth. But then you realize like, oh, if they can like go grab an asteroid and like tow it over to orbit to like mine it to build a space station... They could also just tow it a little bit farther <laughs> and like crash it. Oh, into I mean, you. Even, even if they have the very best of intentions, you know, uh, like one tiny miscalculation. I mean, we crashed a rover into Mars one time because the two teams working on it weren't translating correctly between like imperial and metric, metric. Uh, oh, <laughs> like measurement systems. You it's know? like, yeah, catch catch one asteroid in Earth's gravitational pull by accident, and like that's you know that's lights out, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, or lights out for a lot yeah. of people. Well, you can't you can't mine some asteroids without you know causing a few <laughs> right. extinction level uh, events. Like that's what I always say. You know, also Lloyd, you made me think about. Oh, you say you like space, uh, but you've never been up in space where you know one million things per minute can easily kill you because it's an incredibly <laughs> fragile and yeah. almost you know like seemingly impossible environment to live in. Curious, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about the if you think about the logistical implications of like getting any kind of scalable human population just off the earth, just like lifting them off the earth to anywhere. Like let's say the moon. Like that's that is a that is a logistical feat. Yeah. That is so far beyond our capabilities right yeah. now. It's it's just it's not worth considering seriously and it's being dangled in front of our noses like a fucking carrot. So that these assholes can continue to make the make that idea the only idea that seems feasible, just based on the on the death of the biosphere on this planet, which we hate to see, folks. You, you know what's truly bizarre to me is that uh, the biggest fans of this kind of plan, um, especially like Elon Musk stands, but anybody who's super into Bezos's space ideas, like 
they're also all gamers. <laughs> and like even even in the Halo series, the Halos, the big self-sustaining like rings, took thousands and thousands of years to build. Yeah. Like, yeah. dude, dude, you were never gonna get there. Like, even if you got out of the basement and stopped spending all of your time on fucking Reddit. <laughs> You'll never see this thing. You might be there for like the initial licensing program, but we're talking about a we're talking about a thing that's on a, a construction project that's on the scale of the entirety of human civilization, mm-hmm. um, and we just don't have that kind of time. We sure don't. Um, so maybe uh, maybe go figure out how to prevent topsoil erosion in your area, or like plant a couple right. of chestnut trees. Well, know. actually, that's a that's a fair enough transition to. Um, this other person I want to talk about before we take our next break, you know, the the adage about every day on Twitter, there's a main character and the goal is not to be it. <laughs> a fellow named Jackson Kernian made himself the Twitter main character today with a series of tweets about how we need to stop subsidizing anything. It, it was specifically healthcare for rural areas because it's not efficient. Hmm. Basically, and he he expanded that idea to include broadband and transportation infrastructure. Basically, it's it's not efficient for people to live in rural areas. And oh, uh, uh, concluded his his thread uh. with this great tweet. And I'll just read this for you verbatim. This is Jackson Kernian at Jackson Kernian with a K. I encourage you to go over and just say hello. Um, not harass him, but mm. you know, let him know why he's bad and wrong. Jackson says. I unironically embrace the bashing of rural Americans. They, as a group, are bad people who have made bad <laughs> life decisions. Some, I assume, are good people. Nice, sweet reference, bro. <laughs> but this nostalgia for some imagined pastoral way of life is stupid, and we should shame people who aren't pro-city. Oh, boy. There, uh, oh. There's a lot going on there. Um, oh, boy. You, you got your, You got your eco-fascism. Uh-huh. You get your uh, coastal elitism because, uh, of course, Jackson is uh, some sort of like tech bro living in Palo Alto. Jesus, I'm Christ. not making that up. That's literally where he lives. Uh, and then you've got also this sort of magical liberal thinking about like where the fuck do you think the coal that powers your PowerPoint comes from? <laughs> like, where do you think the timber comes from to build your WeWork spaces or your fucking you know, like pod hotels. Um, like, where do you where do you think all of the fucking corn syrup that goes into uh, the soylent that you're just absolutely slamming down at your desk like, while you're working fucking eighteen hours a day? Like, where do you think all this shit comes from, man? What do they envision? Like, what is what is the like? How do they how do they imagine their their perfectly ordered society? Is it just like like New York and San Francisco? And then just drones. Man, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It just came to me. I know exactly what the fuck they envision. And it's those uh, those weird eco-dome oh, things yeah. that you used to be able to build in SimCity. <laughs> the arcology. Oh, the arcologies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the arcology. We're like perfectly self-contained little um, like ecosphere. Yeah. No, I Ugh. think they're preparing for the climate apocalypse where we're all just going to live in like couple domed mega cities and everything else is just going to be the expanse of the wasteland. So <laughs> right. in order to, you know, psychologically prepare yourself for that, you just have to right now just start saying it's okay because anybody who doesn't live in a city already is they're just dead. They're already dead. You just need to let them go. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it helps you feel a lot yeah. better. <laughs> I just hope Omaha makes the cutoff. 
<laughs> right. Yeah. And, and uh, that, that was one thing that I saw brought up uh, with reference to this was like, most people don't live in incredibly dense cities like it like inner city this is only a thing that could have uh, could have come from like one of the big coastal cities right because it takes fucking three or four hours to drive across the expanse of the dallas fort worth metroplex right because it's all these like sprawled out exurbs and they're not living rurally they're living in a city it's just horribly sprawled out and it's that's that's less efficient. Those are the cities that we have right now. And that's less efficient than people living in like small enclaves, like kind of dotted across the, you know, the Great Plains or whatever. I mean, even Palo Alto itself, like even though now it's like the headquarters of Apple and like considered to be like a big city or whatever, like it's like an exurb of San Jose and San Francisco yeah, right. or whatever. Like it's in between those two like larger cities. So like. <laughs> If this dude is really going to be serious about it, I think he just needs to, like, move to downtown San Francisco. Oh, wait, you can't? Oh, my bad. If there's one thing I know from friends who live in, like, downtown San Francisco. <laughs> the Bay Area. It's, it's that everybody, yeah, in the Bay Area, <laughs> everybody there loves how efficiently everything is being run right now. Have you ever been inside one of those pod, like, co-living spaces? Oh, like a, like a WeWork? <laughs> Well, no, 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 the, no, the living ones where it looks like a fucking, it's like a 4-H, like, cabin. Everybody's got, like, their bunk bed with, like, the foot locker underneath it. There was one of them that we were all were roasting a couple of weeks ago. I forget what it is. I went on their, I went on their website, and I, with the people on the chat, and, uh, like, asking how much it costs, like, for a month for, like, a, a family of four to live there. And there's, like, a, there's, like, an extra premium private room, but your kids have to stay in there. Like, they can't. They can't like go outside and intermingle with the rest of the people because it would it would because it would ruin it would ruin the community. No, I remember that this is like where you live in a in a prison, but it costs like two thousand dollars. No, like like for for a family of four, like that room, it was like forty seven fifty. What the fuck? Four and it's like it's like made out of like plywood and shit too. Like it doesn't even look nice. It looks it's like it's like reclaimed wood. It's like (laughs) oh yeah, we broke apart some pallets and put some stain on them, like. Just dog shit. Just yeah. Ugh. Do you remember last Spooktober when we had uh, Max Sparber on, and he oh, read us yeah. the he read us the story about like the blob that came into literally what we've reinvented is one of those Depression era like homeless work camp farms where like everybody gets their own little like chicken wired off place that's got like a bed and a trunk in it. <laughs> Except now we're charging money instead of just letting guys stay there if they like work in the fields for a little while. <laughs> Horrifying. Uh, and profitable. Well, congratulations to you, uh, Jackson Kernian, renowned twat, being the main character of Twitter today. Uh, fun fact, Jackson is also the guy who posted that just incredibly vile and nightmarish uh, picture of him as one of the war boys from Mad Max Fury Road. Huh. Oh, that's the same guy? Uh, but he was... Oh, my God! Yeah, he was He was the war boy for Warren. So he was, like, holding a Liz Warren thing. Uh, this guy, <laughs> he's on a roll. What will he do next? I cannot wait. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he might have gone private or, like, deleted his Twitter or something at this point. It's so uh, fucking funny that this guy... It Was he, was he like... Is he a for real Warren stan? Or was he doing that as, like, a joke because i don't know i don't know if you noticed but like elizabeth warren's been doing nothing but hanging out in iowa for like a year and a half man (laughs) like that's your that's your girl dude like what what are you doing here yeah 
brutal. Yeah, just just truly bizarre, like liberal mindset, you know, tech bro um, sort of, you know, I think he's got like, you know, post philosophy expert or something in his <laughs> in his fucking bio. He's got that neoliberal like uh, lined globe emoji in his handle. Mm, it's a bad Beautiful. sign. Yeah, you hate to see it. Well, I, I can't wait for Elizabeth Warren to appoint him like the ambassador of the UN. <laughs> Such a nice young man. As a, as a reward for his staunch support in the, in the post-apocalypse. Well, she's a wonk, and and, uh, and he definitely has a plan for rural America. It just happens to be genocide. But... Department of the Interior. It's yours, <laughs> <Right>? buddy. <laughs> Do you think asteroid miners would count as rural areas? <laughs> that's going to be the new, have you seen The Expanse? Uh, that's... <laughs> That's how it works. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you in a couple of minutes to uh, take it out on a high note for the first time in about a month. Could easily be accomplished with a computer. And the computer could be set and programmed to accept factors from youth, health, sexual fertility, intelligence, and a cross-section of necessary skills. Of course, it would be absolutely vital that our top government and military men be included to foster and impart the required principles of leadership and tradition. <laughs> Actually, they would breed prodigiously, eh? There would be much time and little to do. <laughs> but uh, with the proper breeding techniques and a ratio of, say, 10 females to each male, I would guess that they could then work their way back to the present gross national product within say 20 years yeah so we're back we're we're going back to the uh the old format so of course our third segment here is going to be us taking the out on a high note because we do tend to spend a lot of the show talking about fairly negative things but um yeah leave everybody with a little bit of a a spring in their step a a bee in their bonnet to carry forward (laughs) into the next week so uh, I don't know. Does anyone anyone want to go first? Brendan, do you have a have a good high note? I absolutely do. I first would like to point out, I don't think a bee in your bonnet is good. I think that's generally considered bad. I think I, I think a bee in your bonnet is just something that like gets you thinking about things and like motivated. You know. No, you're thinking about the bee. You're trying to trying to face running away from your own from your own bonnet. Well, <laughs> Okay, maybe it's maybe that's not as positive as I thought it was. Get it, commuting with nature, you know, it's very positive. Right. Uh, but yeah, well, maybe, hey, maybe, maybe it builds a builds a hive in there. You get some nice honey in your get body. Some nice free yeah. honey, free you know, honey. Fall time. Yeah. Uh, my high note for this week is that uh, on on Friday in just a couple days, Bernie and AOC are doing a crazy rally in uh, in in <laughs> crazy Bernie, crazy Bernie. And crazy AOC are doing a crazy rally uh, right this, across. It, no, it, it just turned into a Ben Garrison cartoon. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to see what he comes up with. Uh, right across the river from Omaha on the on the Iowa side uh, in Council Bluffs. Um, so yeah, that's going to be pretty awesome. I'm I'm super psyched for it. Um, it's going to be pretty great. Um, you and our our good friend Chuck are going to head down there together, right? That's the plan. Cool. So yeah, it's going to be really awesome. I think it's really cool that uh, every four years uh, uh, people pretend to care about Iowa 
and uh, we get to mooch off of it a little <laughs> right. bit because it's because it's right next door. Um, yeah, because they sure as shit amazing. don't care about Nebraska. <laughs> oh well, that's uh, I mean, hey, you never know. Obama won that one electoral college vote. Yep. In 2008. You sure did. And even though Republicans redistricted it so that it'll probably never happen again. Yep. Um, I, I like to hold out hope. That, that is uh, one electoral vote. And I think that the uh, the Democrats are being really dumb about ignoring it. Yeah. The think pieces of like, will Nebraska's one electoral college vote be the tipping point uh, were, were off the charts uh, <laughs> back 10 years ago. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it could it could always happen. Um but yeah, no, I think that's really cool. The other thing that I kind of wanted to mention was this hilarious headline about how, uh, speaking of Bill Gates, uh, Microsoft Japan uh, decided to have a four-day work week and found that it like boosted productivity by 40%. Oh, yeah, it was an insane amount. Yeah. Wild. Right. Um, so, yeah, now that uh, now that worker rights are more profitable... Get ready, you guys. Yes. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> you know, Brennan, uh, that, that article about the the experiment with the, the 40 work week uh, popped up a lot today because Kamala Harris, whose instincts for doing politics God. are so just perplexingly bad, um, was responding to the idea that, you know, it's it's really hard for working people to be able to navigate uh, the, the traditional school day. Uh, you know, the like eight to three school day, because that leaves the kids at home for a couple of hours or you got to line up childcare or whatever. And so her her response to that was, well, we'll just make school, you know, a fucking full work day. We'll just, you know, like like eight to five, eight to six. Uh, no, but, but you, like apparently she clarified it was like, oh, it's not going to be all at school. Like we're going to we're going to partner with local organizations to uh, to provide, you know, structured structured time and activities <laughs> right. for these kids so it'll be like the Just local chuck e cheese shows up and like okay go go hang out in the ball pit for 45 minutes yeah well and and somebody pointed out online today i thought very saliently that the schools that can do that that have the resources to do that are already doing that you know, mm-hmm. otherwise you're just putting a mandate on a bunch of like underfunded schools. So like, oh no, now your teachers have to stay, um, you know, for for the entire work day. Um, also, Which they already do. They already to... do that. Like, there's no. Oh yeah, 100%. She has just revealed that she has no idea how a fucking school works because it's not like the teachers are like, oh, it's two forty five. I'm out of here, kids. Like, I live right across the street from a public school. And, like, I will routinely, you know, look outside at, like, 7 p.m. And there's still fucking cars there. Sure. Like, those people mm-hmm. are already putting in the hours. Oh, yeah. So to just be Is like, it, oh, g- we'll just add another couple, two, three hours onto your day. You know, <laughs> what, yeah, what could go wrong? Well, and you, uh, you hear it constantly from, you know, any – we've got – you and I have a bunch of friends who are public school teachers. And they're always talking about, like, there's just never enough time in the day because I've got to, like, grade these things. I've got to write – uh, I've got to write emails to parents about various things. I got to fill out these charts. And there's all this paperwork that I have to do, you know. So now we're talking about your already miserably paid public school teachers just working like another like fucking four hours a day. Like, yeah, why not, man? Like, it, that's that was everybody's dream when they mm. became a teacher. Was I'm going to work from six o'clock in the morning until fucking ten o'clock at night? Right. <laughs> 
Yeah. And if you know anything about children, you know that the most productive hours of the day are between 3 to 5 p.m. (laughs) After they've been in school all day. That's when they're ready to just start, you know. Really uh, engaging with the material. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's that time where they're really ready to just chew in onto some really meaty uh, hard work. Yeah, so Um, so that uh, that, that was the context for why a bunch of people were bringing up that article that you mentioned about like how about instead of extending the school day we just let parents out of work earlier why don't we go to a four-day fucking work week why doesn't everybody get all of the holidays off you know teachers need to have meetings too sometimes you know and those take all day i do love that you know republicans are constantly like well, you know, parents need to raise their own kids or whatever and shit like that. But then at the same time, also being like, well, also, you just got to work three jobs, you know, right. too. Like, you got to do that. And then raise, maybe raise your kids, uh, you know, at 3 a.m. That's a good time to, you know, start <laughs> start parenting. Right. Just wake up your kids and, uh, and you know, tell them, uh, tell them to clean up their room. Uh, I think that's what Jordan Peterson says, and it's a it's a great it's a great model. Seriously, go live in the village if that's what you want. Like wake <laughs> wake up when the cock crows, you know, Nothing work all day, just like back breaking, like finger breaking toil, uh, and then everybody goes to bed and just sleeps the sleep of the damned. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the village it it, it worked out great for them. I mean, right. they had a they had a fun time there. I think actually <laughs> yeah. the the funniest part of the village was that. There's like a scene towards the end where they were like, don't you remember why we did this? We were all college professors and we hated the internet. And so we decided (laughs) to do this. Oh, man. Uh. M. Night. He was ahead of his time. Yeah, he was. Well, apparently not because he ripped off that book, but. (laughs) All right, Lloyd, Uh. what do you got for us? You got a high note for this week? I do. I, well, okay. So I've, I've been taking a a great amount of pleasure in good old Marty Scorsese finally taking the fight to the fucking Marvel nerds. <laughs> it has been a, a luminous bright spot. The, the auteur versus the fanboys. Absolutely. Uh, a, truly a clash of the Titans. Yes. Yes. Just the, just the takes that come streaming in and just like, Oh, uh, you know, look at the box office numbers, sweetie. You know, the, <laughs> right. Oh God. The yeah. That was just today, right? That, Whatever that yeah. gal was was like. Yeah. Look, if you want, if you want to know like whether a movie's good or not, just look at the box office numbers. Mm-hmm, like, look at mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese's last film versus Avengers Endgame. Like, Avengers boom, check me, bitches. Yes, truly, what can be said? It's just I, I, I'm really glad that people are actually having this conversation. And I, I don't know, I don't know what you guys think about Marvel. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan. I am I am glad that it's kind of being taken to task a little bit for being. Oh yeah, I, I so think uh, I think Brendan and I could both fairly be said to be. You know, we're comics nerds and and Marvel fanboys or whatever. But also, I don't think that either of us would ever have tried to go to the mat and say like, you know, Thor to the Rise of the Ice Giants or what the fuck ever. <laughs> was like an artistic film it was just well, fun. no I mean, actually like, that one wasn't even fun but like guardians of the galaxy is like that's a good like it's a romp you walk out of the theater and you go like oh that was a romp that was fun but that's what that that is kind of what marty was saying is like marty i i, I don't know martin scorsese i can't call him marty I, I, think, you I think that's it's what okay. he goes by what he was saying you know is that these films they they play like theme parks and they should be sure maybe lumped in with them and i i would tend to agree with that um yeah they're certainly not like 
challenging cinema or whatever. But I also do think it's pretty funny that Martin Scorsese has started this beef when his next project is like a bloated three-hour movie about the mafia starring Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro that's oh, literally using the Marvel de-aging tech to <laughs> to make the fucking oh, movie. God, it's like, real. Marvel, like, Martin, you... you Funny, you call yourself the time. a cinema auteur, and yet, here you are. <laughs> <laughs> Curious. Oh man, yeah, no, it's it's been it's been really fun to watch, and uh, it reminds me a little bit of GamerGate, um, where you, you again you have basically people people who are saying like, here are what forms of art are, and here are what forms of art aren't, uh, and in GamerGate it was like, no, fuck you. Uh, like video games are absolutely art, and then you try to critique them like art, and they go, "No, fuck you! Like you can't do that. You don't get to, <laughs> you know." That that I think what you have again is a bunch of nerds who their consumption habits define a lot of how they identify themselves. Uh, it, it forms the basis of a lot of their personal uh, philosophy and personality. That's right. And so when somebody critiques something that they really like, that they consume. Um, it's it's an attack on them. It's not just an attack on, on mm-hmm. Marvel. The difference between um, Gamergate and whatever we're going to fucking call this, uh, Scorsese-gate. Um, <laughs> you just add gate as a suffix. Uh, that's, that's the way it works. Um, the difference is now you're talking to a much broader audience than, you know, people who only consume like AAA video game titles. So now everybody gets to weigh in. And so you've got a lot of, mm. you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun watching, uh, our struggle session friends, um, Jack Allison and Leslie Lee jump in on this and say like, no, actually the nerds are wrong. Just completely foot. Like those guys <laughs> consume more pop culture than even this show does, you know, and even they are like, they're doing the same thing. They're going like this, this dialogue is hilarious because like, there's no, there's no fair assessment of uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp that says that it's like a great work of art. No, certainly not. Like it's, I don't know. I, I, I would tend to classify gaming culture and like the Marvel fan in broadly the same category. Insofar as like they are identities that can be purchased, like you know you're a sure. you're a you're a Marvel fan. Like here's a here's a Captain America T-shirt. Like here right. is you know you're, you're a Call of Duty fan. Here's some decals for your car. Like yeah, right. Well, and especially are, since especially since Marvel got taken over by the House of Mouse. Oh yeah, you know, who are just right. I mean they're they're the absolute. There there's no one. They're the unparalleled marketing experts there's nobody else on the planet who's as good at that as they are and then there's then there's the the part that kind of ties those two things together is that both the the triple a game studios and you know disney broadly and marvel specifically like absolutely work hand in glove with the dod like that is that's a big part of it yeah, and you saw that with the you saw that with Captain Marvel, which was sure more or less like the extended version of one of those uh, uh, like Air Force National Guard commercials that we have, used mm-hmm. to have to watch in high school. On what was that, Brendan? Channel One News. Oh hell yeah, where he fights the lava monster. That was sick. Yeah, Lloyd. Lloyd, did you have Channel One News in your school growing up? Channel One. I can't say that I did. 
it, it played during homeroom and i think what it was was like a, a kind of a quid pro quo with school districts where they're like we'll buy you a shitload of like av equipment and some other it was mostly like computers and flat screen tvs and stuff like that huh. uh, not even flat screens it was like nice crts at that point i suppose um but the the trade-off was every day during homeroom there's going to be this 10 minute block of programming called channel one news and it was like imagine like mid 90s mtv trying to do a current events uh you know like like news show mm-hmm. um except by weight probably 60 percent of it was like gum advertisements and like national guard um <laughs> you know like play, playing video you know it makes it look oh. like you're playing a video game Oh, Jesus. Uh, sort of advertisements, yeah. Just just blatant fucking capitalist, militaristic propaganda blasted at every child in fucking Nebraska for <laughs> for three years of high school. Oh, Jesus. That sounds awful. Grim. A little grim. Uh. However, that does not take away from your high note being a high <laughs> note. And in fact, uh, while we're on the topic of identities, that's what my high note is about tonight, too. We've all seen the insult uh, thrown around. It's been bandied about for for quite some time now. But all of a sudden, there's like national discourse about the ethics of calling someone a boomer. I I cannot fucking suck up enough of this. It's so funny. (laughs) Uh, Yes. Boomer, as we all know, is the is the is the N word for old people. Right. Yeah. uh, yeah, which was a thing a guy actually said on Twitter the yes, other day. Yes, it is. It was like, this yes, is, it it's is. exactly the same kind of mentality. Like, boomer is the new N-word. And it's like, hey, dude, I mean, a lot of people have made this joke already. But, like, if you're going to compare two words and one of them you're not going to say, you're just going to do, like, a euphemistic term for, like, that's still the worst word. That's that's the one that you can't say. <laughs> Yeah, and it's just it's just amazing watching you know what the the meltdowns people have when you call them a boomer. I think uh, Louise Mensch, um, uh, the the unburnt um, queen <laughs> queen of the eyebrows or whatever, um, mm-hmm. was like, if my kids ever call me a boomer, I'm going to smack the shit out of them. And it's like okay, okay, boomer. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, oh if there's one thing the boomers love, it is like it is being reminded. Of their transience. Yeah, no, that's that's a really good point. Well, yeah, I, I think it's it's so funny to compare this new trend where, like, the whole framing of it is like, is it offensive for, you know, for young people to just say, like, disregard your opinion, old person? Right. Where literally for the past, like, seven years, every week in the New York Times, there's, like, an article that's like, Aren't millennials the worst? <laughs> right, yeah. M- millennials are killing free speech. Millennials are killing... What was that recent one? Like, millennials are killing the power lunch. It's like, okay, Patrick Bateman, we don't live in the fucking <laughs> 1980s anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> Nobody like, has at, a fucking lunch break. Of yeah. course we don't go on power lunches. Like, at no point did did anyone ever, like, write, you know, the article that was like, you know, is it offensive that, you know, we keep writing articles about how, like, <laughs> right. millennials are destroying society through their, um, you know, like, entitlement and, you know, everything like that when – but now that it's like, 
whoa, hold on. Now that people are just saying like, well, okay, whatever, you're old, so I don't really care about what you say. People are like, whoa, now we've gone too far. This is, <laughs> this, is, this is where we must draw the line. Well, that's, I mean, that's what reveals the, the whole thing, right? Was that all they wanted the whole time was for all of society to keep kind of kowtowing to them and showing them the deference they felt like they had earned. Uh, and Just like now, they did to old people. Yeah, when they exactly. Were young. <laughs> <laughs> Back yeah, so when they we, respected the elderly well, by somebody, somebody, getting drunk under the bleachers at the football game. Yeah, I mean, somebody somebody brought up uh, that, like, you know, the generation before yours might have actually deserved some reverence. Like, they, they lived through the Great Depression. They fucking beat the Nazis, you know? Like, all that's happened since they died and you guys took over is, like, now the Nazis are back and everything fucking sucks and, like, you're not interested in helping or, like, pulling together in any kind of way. And you gutted the fucking welfare state. Mm-hmm. So thanks for that. Right. Yeah, basically the welfare state is, uh, you know, kind of on track to die right around the time all of the boomers are going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been really funny to me. Uh, a friend of mine on Men's Lib pointed out that uh, OK Boomer is the... Uh, it, it, sort of the uh, platonic perfect insult because people getting mad at it are going to get just exponentially more mad when the most appropriate response to whatever they complain about is just the same insult. Just, okay, Boomer. <laughs> yeah. I heard yeah. that Okay Boomer is the title of the next Radiohead album. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't think we have too many boomers in our audience, so we're not going to have to worry about it too much. Lloyd Howell, it's been a delight to have you on the program. Thank you so much for doing us the favor and and coming in coming in, in the clutch, short notice oh, like that. Thanks for having me, fellas. This has been fun. Yeah, awesome. I hope we can get you back. But in the meantime, I understand that um, you've got your own podcast that you've started. i got a, got a brand new podcast. It's called Feeling Well uh, at Feeling Well Pod. Um, and it's me and my friend Ralph and... Uh, you know, we kind of, it's just guys being guys. Um, yeah. You know, having a, having a crack at the, at the world of today and uh, trying to make sense of this crazy world we all live in. <laughs> just, you know, do you like podcasts? Check it out. We talk about the nature of podcasts on episode one. You'll, <laughs> you'll know pretty quickly if you like it or not, is all I'll say. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and meantime, people can find you also on Twitter. Oh yeah, um, yeah. My at is uh, Void Howler. Um, it's uh, I I post quite often. I just love to be on the website, so you know. Well, he's he's an extremely good follow. I can vouch for that. We're in some DM groups together, and it's always a treat to be able to interact with them. So yeah, follow him on Twitter. Thank you, Matt. Appreciate it. Yeah. And meantime, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Liquid underscore Flannel. Um, I've got a bit of a backlog that I need to work through for bonus episodes, but uh, subscribers, don't worry, those are coming soon. We had some really fun discussions with a variety of people, so we'll get those bonus episodes up. And anybody who's not a subscriber, if you want access to those really good episodes that are coming up, um, hit us up on our Patreon. It's uh, at uh, Patreon slash... Was it Liquid Flannel Pod? The li- I think it's Liquid Flannel yeah, Pod. Yeah, something like yeah, that. Anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. You'll, you'll find it on the Twitter. Anyway. Uh, 
And uh, Brendan, you're on Twitter too, right? I'm on Twitter when I'm not being banned uh, for... Uh, <laughs> that was some bullshit. <laughs> making jokes about how uh, people's uh, fire insurance in California is getting is getting canceled. I was so mad um, about that. They don't they don't like it when you when you joke about that. Uh, but I'm at Brendan Williams with one L. And I myself uh, am at Matt the Great with a W. And uh, yeah, Lloyd, thanks again, man. It's been super fun. It's been a pleasure, guys. Yeah, we'll have you back on sometime soon. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks, See ya.